You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Wow, this is really nice. I didn't even know all you folks were back there. I'm just sitting over here and hi, welcome. Um, it is a joy to be here. It is a privilege. God is good. Uh, it, uh, a few years ago, I got invited to speak at a church. Um, a, uh, technically, it is still legally a Mennonite church, but they got baptized in the charismatic movement a number of years ago. And so, a spirit-filled Mennonite church in Illinois years ago. And they didn't tell me that the Sunday morning that I was invited to was their 40th anniversary. So, like, that was a real privilege to be there that morning. And so, I don't know. People invite me in for, like, anniversary services and don't tell me about it. But congratulations. Happy anniversary. Let's celebrate that. God has been good, right? He's been very faithful. Um, He's so faithful. Man, I love that time of worship. That was just so wonderful. Um, You know, we were just singing, um, you're never going to let me down. And if we can be honest, how many would say that at times you felt let down by God in life? Here's what I've learned, is that those are temporary experiences that I feel. But when all is said and done and I look back and I see God has never failed me, never once. He might have not, situations in life might have happened that failed to meet my expectation. And in the moment, I felt disappointed by God. But ultimately, as I look back at my life, I can look back and say, God, you've been faithful every time in every area. It doesn't mean it was easy doesn't mean uh, that, that, it was the perf- that, I, that it was the way that I preferred, but I can look back and I say, God, you've been faithful in everything in every area. He's been faithful because it's who he is. And I got good news for us this morning. That no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what is happened or what is going on in your life if you are a believer in Christ Jesus if you've been born again then here's the really really good news the greatest crisis you could ever 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 face has already been taken care of because none of us had a greater crisis than being guilty before a holy God That is the greatest crisis you and I could ever have, is to stand guilty before a perfect judge. And Jesus took care of that at the cross. That's good news. So I'm not denying that there's crises on the planet or crises that can happen in our lives, but I'm just telling you, the greatest crisis has already been taken care of. And so whatever happens from this point on, We can all say, any day in Christ, any day, I don't care what's going on on the planet, I don't care what's going on in the United States, any day in Christ is better than any day in hell. I'd rather live in the kingdom with peace than live with all the 
pleasure of the world without the peace of God reigning in my heart mind. That's good news. Helps keep, keep things in perspective. That this God who owes me nothing has given me everything in Christ. I can't lose. You can't lose. This God who says, I am going to make sure that everyone who loves me, who's been called according to my purpose, every one of those children, I'm going to weave every event in their life together for their good. It's almost like we got this cheat code written into our lives. I got to know how that works. But every single situation he promises, he says, I'm going to work it together for your good. And here's what I've discovered. I don't have to understand how he does that in order to thank him that he does it. I get to thank him on the front end. See, here's, here's the thing. All of us can look back in our lives and go, well, that was a really hard thing God brought me through. And we're like, whoo, praise God. Thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful. Right? The challenge is, is doing it on the front end. When you're right in the thick of it to go, okay, God, I've been down this road before. Man, I thought you were going to fail. I didn't see how you were going to come through. I didn't see how you were going to bring good out of it. And man, you get on the other side and you're like, man, I was fooled again. God, you came through. Well, I'm such a knucklehead. I can't believe I didn't see how you would come through. And you've proven yourself faithful over and over again. So now here I am. Here I'm in another situation. It looks impossible. But Lord, I thank you right now. That God, I don't know how you are going to bring good out of this. But I thank you that you are. I thank you that you orchestrate everything together in my life for my good and for your glory. Everything. If that's true, if Romans 8, 28 is, is a reality for the followers of Christ, the sons of God, then would that not include the price of gas, whoever's in the White House? Would that not include God bringing good even out of painful situations like divorce? Is it all things? Well, come on. Paul, that was thousands of years ago. I mean, this certainly you can't be talking about a pandemic. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think probably pandemic falls under the category of all things. So somehow, this sovereign God, who is a perfect, loving father, he's orchestrating all things together for our good. He's that good of a God. He's that good of a father. So there is not one situation in our lives that he is not seeking to redeem and bring good out of. And he's an expert in bringing good out of the bad. That's the kind of father we have. I don't know why I shared all that. I think I was just inspired by worship. That wasn't my plan. Um, so before we get into the word uh, this morning, um, I want to just invite just a couple of people to, to share real quick um, what they were experiencing last night. Um, so, uh, Charlisa and Alan, could you just come and just share real quick what you guys were experiencing? And then we're going to jump into John 16. Well, <laughs> it's kind of fun. Not going to lie. But 
Chris doesn't know this, but on the way to work, or I mean, on the way to church last night, I mean, it just seemed like everywhere, everywhere I was just being bombarded with offense. Just, I mean, the driver in front of me, you know, someone said something. It's like offense, offense, offense. So I was just like, Lord, I'm just done with this. You know, and I was just, just weeping and just... Just, God, break this off. This is just, ugh. And in the service, you know, God was just touching me. And then he came over. I didn't even know he was really touching me. But then he came over, and then, boy, it just let loose. And then I just started cracking up. And I could not stop laughing. I mean, my stomach was hurting. I could not stop laughing. And I just really felt like the Lord was just breaking off, you know, some mindsets that were going on in some things in my mind, just touching, you know, I've just been through some hard times and just trusting the Lord. And, and I just really feel like it just, I feel lighter today. I just feel happier today. It's just... Awesome. Shar was the queen of laughter last night. I was um, sitting over there, my hand was on Shar, and when Chris uh, touched her, first she started to cry just for a little bit, and then she broke out in laughter, and wow, I... I've, I've never seen anything like this before. I've seen it on TV, but <laughs> she couldn't stop laughing. And then Bruce couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> and the more they laughed, everybody looked so happy. Anyways... When Chris started singing, my knees got real weak. I thought, I, I, think, I think I'm going to fall down. I hope he doesn't touch me. <laughs> and they were weak throughout the whole thing. But he did end up touching me, and my abdomen became just really hard. And he, it was like he was pulling something out of me. And I was, I think I was making noises. <laughs> Anyways, it was, what? I feel really good. I, I feel really good. I was standing behind oh, some people because uh, there were people falling. And I stood behind Pastor Jeff, and he was kind of rocking back and forth, and I mean, not, I'm not very tall, and he's tall. But I looked at him once. He looked 10 feet tall. I told Char, I looked at him, and it was like, he was huge. And I, I, that kind of stuck with me. It was really neat. Anyways, thank you. Hallelujah. I'm sorry. Did you say your name was Christy? Was it? 
Yeah, would you come up here and just share real quick? Um, God is so good. He's so good. Well, I didn't want to be here last night, but I felt like I should be here to support our church. What I didn't realize is I would leave feeling... Uh, I literally, I think I left three pounds right about, uh, I was sitting right there where you are, Diane. <laughs> because, you know, I feel like I, sometimes it's like I've had so much healing from my childhood that there was no more for me to heal. So I'm like helping every, you know, where the Lord leads me as we are all up here and I'm helping. And yeah, I, it's been a long time since I've seen someone just kind of like in the spirit, just kind of fall down. And so, um, then it's all kind of like done. And then I felt like it was time for me to sit down and, and Christopher, you came over to me and not sure what exactly happened, but this, when I left here, I felt like I left so much burden in that chair because my heart breaks for people who don't know the Lord. And there's so many people hurting. A young couple loses their baby two weeks before it's born. I mean, my heart just breaks for people going through hard times. And the Lord said to me last night, you are holy, you are righteous, Christy. I can take care of all of those people. And I just like cried and cried. I mean, there was snot coming out my nose. And, and then I cried and I'm like, oh, wow, I, I really, I can love them and the compassion. And I've been born in the middle of nine children. So I was always trying to fix everybody. You know, it's kind of like their problems and their problems. And so I left last night just feeling like, you know what, I don't have to do that anymore. I, I can just be there and just lift them up to the Lord. And then when we get home, my husband and my family from Arizona are having a campfire out in the back of my yard. And, and a few questions were being asked from our little near seven-year-old great nephew. And he invited Jesus into his heart last night around the campfire. And I know. We've, we've been praying, praying for that too. And last year when we were in Wyoming, he asked questions about God when we were in the truck together. And, and then last night he really knew what he was experiencing. And so he prayed out loud and, and we prayed over him. And it was just, I felt like I went home just like with so, so much anointing. So thank you. So good. Wow. It's a quick weight loss program. <laughs> three pounds. Lost three pounds at church last night. Hallelujah. Um, that is so good. God is so faithful. He's a good father. And as I shared last night, my desire, my heart is not to just read from the menu, but let's order from the word everything God's provided for us in Christ. And uh, so, um, as I said last night, I think I mentioned this, that um, it's okay. You don't, you don't have to like me. You don't have to like my style or anything. I'm going to go home here this afternoon 
and uh, it's been a joy and a privilege to be here, but I don't ever have to be invited back. Um, and if you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't like this, this guy here this morning and what he's doing, that's fine. You can get back to normal next week, okay? Um, but uh, just open up your heart to whatever God wants to do. Just yield your heart to Holy Spirit. And you don't have to manufacture anything. You don't have to make anything happen. But just yield to him and give him the freedom to do whatever he wants to do. Um, he's so faithful. He's so faithful. So, um, real quick, got a, a book table out there. Just got a, f a few books left. Um, if you want to make your, you know, uh, take advantage of that. I think uh, for my book, um, we still have a few copies of a couple of my kids' books, my wife's books, and then uh, my book, Come On Into Papa's Presence. I think there's only one copy left of the English version. We just, there's a few of the Spanish version out there for anyone who might want a copy of that. Um, my book is $10, or you can feel free to buy it on Amazon for like 12 or 13 So I'll let you choose. Um, so... Um, so, uh, but I wanted to, you to know that really part of what I'm going to talk about this morning, I want to start off by saying that what people were describing what happened here last night, um, most all of that we experienced, um, years ago, I was more or less against. I was, or at the very least, very uncomfortable with, okay? And, uh, Something I, I was not, uh, yeah, I was quite uncomfortable with. And I really had my doubts about the validity of some of these experiences, okay? Just being honest. Uh, but I want to ask you a question before we jump into this pas passage. If you had the chance today, if God were to come to you and say, okay, here's your opportunity. You could either continue to be alive today in 2021 in Mason City, Iowa, or you could choose that, or go back in time and walk the earth, walk in Israel physically with Jesus as he walked along through life, as he healed the sick, as he opened blind eyes, deaf ears, as he raised the dead, turned water into wine, and glorified me, and you could walk right alongside Jesus. Or you could be... Here today in Mason City. Which would you choose? Which would you rather do? How many of you would love to go back in time and walk alongside Jesus? That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Here's the thing. Like, I think it'd be really cool to go back and visit that and spend a few days hanging out with him and the disciples and watching and seeing all that. But here's... Here's the biblical challenge that we have to that from Jesus' own words. And this is the context. Let's look at this passage from John 16. Let's go to verse. Let's go to verse. Let's go to verse 5. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. Okay, verse 5. Here we go. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I said these things, you are filled. 
Because I've said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Can you imagine the shock that these disciples felt when for all these centuries, the Israelites, the Jews, were waiting for the arrival of the Messiah. And finally, after all this time, God comes down from heaven in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And now they're on the inside of it all. They're basically the king's cabinet members. And they're walking with Jesus and they're seeing signs, wonders, miracles. Every day they're seeing the dead raised. It is amazing. Woo! God is with us. And we're his right-hand men. Signs, wonders, miracles every day. This is amazing. And Jesus said, guys, it's even going to get better. I got good news for you. I'm going to leave you. <laughs> what? Really? Hold on. This can't be. No, wait. This can't be right. You wouldn't leave us. Come on. You couldn't be doing that. Like, quit messing with us, Jesus. You're not leaving. But then even more so to say it's actually better for you. There's no way that they could wrap their minds around. How could it be better than actually being with Jesus? And yet Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go back to the Father. Because if I go back to the Father, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the paraclete, the one who comes alongside. I'm going to send the counselor. I'm going to send the teacher, the spirit of truth. He says in John 14, he lived, he's with you and he's going to be in, on the inside of you. <clears throat> One minister described the Holy Spirit like this. The Holy Spirit is Jesus unlimited. Because when you think about it, Jesus, though he was, is God... He was limited in his human flesh. He could only be in one place at one time. And there was only so much that he could do. Like it was amazing what he did, but still he was limited by his human flesh. And so now he says, I'm going to go away and I'm going to send one who is just like me. Really, the, the original Greek bears it out from John 14, that I'm going to send one who is just like me. The same way that Jesus was... Basically, you would see throughout uh, the Gospels, and especially the book of John, where he would say, I and the Father are one. If you see me, you've seen the Father. I only do what pleases the Father. Okay, absolute union and agreement and submission to the Father. He's Basically, he's saying it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. The way I'm with the Father, the Holy Spirit is that way with me. He loves me. He likes me. He doesn't do anything that's different from me. He, is, he, he expresses what's in my heart he's going to take my words and he's going to plant them in you matter of fact paul says in romans 5 that he that the holy spirit pours into our heart the love of god i think that's some of what was happening last night and you can only get so much of the love of god into your heart until your belly starts getting tickled just my theory okay so that's that was that was happening and Jesus is telling him, it's to your advantage. So here's the deal. You see this constant religious clash between Jesus and the Pharisees and the structural religious system of his day. And it's like the Pharisees are saying, we want God, but without Jesus. And I think our tendency today, unfortunately, in the church, even if it's not on a conscious level, is to say, we want Jesus, but without the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is making it clear, 
we're a package deal. You can't split up the Trinity. We do it in the, for the sake of teaching, but ultimately he's like, we're a package deal. We are one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you want me, if you want to live in communion and fellowship with me, if you want to live in the reality of the kingdom, it comes through me. Paul says in Romans 14 that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God runs on the fuel of the Holy Spirit and it produces peace and joy. But it starts with that understanding of what we talked about last night of our righteous position in Christ. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I'm afraid that we tend to think of the Holy Spirit as just a mystical force. You can't grieve a force. You can't grieve an inanimate object. You can't grieve something that is just merely a power. He is a person. He is part of the Trinity. He's God, God the Holy Spirit. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And he says in Ephesians chapter 4, don't quench the Holy Spirit. The picture is like a, a hose that water can flow through, and then you suddenly just twist it up so it stops its flow. When it comes to don't grieve, is don't, don't make him sad. Please the heart of God. Do what honors God. Live congruently with your new nature in Christ. The Holy Spirit is in you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Honor him by a life that is congruent with his nature, which is now your nature inside you. The Holy Spirit has given you a holy nature. Don't, and really that context is, a lot of it is with the words, the way we talk to one another. But then he also says in Ephesians 4, don't quench the Holy Spirit. My understanding of that would be not so much sins that we would commit, but more of the Holy Spirit is flowing, he's moving, or he wants to flow through us, and we stop the flow. I think there's a lot of ways that we can do that. But one of the things is to get out of our mind and to get into our spirit. And another practical way is to get out of our pride and get into the spirit. Because I'm going to be honest with you, there are plenty of things I've seen the Holy Spirit do that I'm not comfortable with. I'm just being honest. But here's what I've discovered about God. He is not so much interested in my comfort zone as he is in glorifying Jesus. So there's so much, so many passages of scripture I would love to jump in and share because I love the word of God. Um, I really, really, really do. But um, what I feel like, number one, if you want a really good teaching, just straight from the word, we looked at uh, uh, just a passage in Jeremiah yesterday in the men's group. Hopefully everyone was blessed by the word, the teaching that we had last night um, about our righteous identity in Christ and what the Lord says about us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, that we are holy, that we are chosen, and that we are dearly loved. Um, and all that goes with that. And so 
This morning, I really felt like what God was putting upon my heart was to just share my own personal journey with the Holy Spirit. So by the grace of God, I was born to amazing godly parents. Um, and when I was five, we moved from Duluth, Minnesota. We moved to Burt. Anybody know where Burt's at? Okay, just outside of Algona. So moved to Burt. So the metropolis of Burt is a little church. And... Uh, and my, my dad was a pastor there. And so I'm six years old. And my mom, at this time, when I'm six, she'd been talking to me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, trying to explain to me what that is. <clears throat> and so she'd been doing that, I don't know, for a week or two. And then one Sunday night, we're at church. I mean, honestly, there's probably a dozen people there. That's about it. That was pretty much our church on Sunday nights. And I'm sitting in the back next to my mom, and I'm, I'm drawing pictures of Hot Wheels cars because... That's just what I did when my dad preached. I drew pictures of Hot Wheels cars. And at the end, my dad invites people forward to come pray. And my mom looks at me and she says, would you like to go forward to pray to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I was like, sure. And honestly, this was my theology at the time at age six. I didn't understand all the complexities uh, to pneumatology. I did not understand the depths of the theological complexities of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. But this was my theology. I really don't know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, but if it's from God, it must be good, so I'll take it. Hopefully, my theology hasn't changed that much since then, because I think that's a pretty good foundation, okay? You don't have to understand everything. Like, it's good to grow in understanding, but at the end of the day, if it's from God, it's good. So let's take it, okay? So I remember I went up front with my mom to uh, pray to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know how many of you, I don't know all the different backgrounds you come from, but have you ever been in a church service where people were prayed upon? I mean, prayed for? <laughs> like, suddenly 300 hands came out of nowhere. <laughs> and people are like, receive now, take it, release it. No, just, just hold on, just wait. Terry, Terry, Terry in his presence. There it is, give it, go, run, bind, we loose, we... I don't know if we're coming, going, binding, and loosen. I don't know what. It's just like, ah! <laughs> Got all these hands on you, and it's like, oh, man. For those of you, if you don't have a Pentecostal background, whew, God works all things together for the good. So, um, anyways... So I've, I've been in meetings like that where that, that's kind of the case, where you take the A out of pray and you put in the E. Anyways, um, but, but in this case, you know, I was sharing last night with different testimonies. You can't make a formula out of it. There's no formulas in Scripture. There are principles of the kingdom and the ways of the Spirit, the ways of God. But you can't reduce God and what He does down to a formula. And so... I get down onto my knees and my mom just told me, she said, Christopher, just raise your hands to him and just tell Jesus how much you love him. And I begin to do that. And to this day, all I can say is just the grace of God because I don't remember having other experiences like this when I was a little kid, but I'm six years old. I don't think there's any music playing. There's just a few people there. And I lift my hands and I just begin to tell Jesus, I love you so much. I love you. I love you. I begin to weep and weep and weep in his presence. After a while, 
this other language begin to flow out of me. It was an incredible experience, and I, I eventually got up off my knees with this other language coming out of me a few minutes later. And I looked around the church and realized everyone had gone home but my family. And then I discovered it had been two hours on my knees with my hands raised. Like, I wouldn't even try to attempt that now. The presence of God is amazing. But I mean physically, like to just, for a six-year-old boy to just be still in God's presence for two hours. And something I didn't grasp for a lot of years. Well, let me say that on the way home, I, just, I was so happy and I told my parents, I said, this is the greatest night of my life. These entire six years of my existence, it's the greatest <laughs> night of my life. And I said, I can't wait to go to school tomorrow. I'm going to tell my teacher. And they're like, I don't know that she's going to really understand. I went to a school, you know. I was like, I don't know. And um, but something I didn't realize for a lot of years, because nobody, I, I didn't know what a vision was. I didn't understand that. All I knew is that in this experience where I was loving Jesus, and then this, this baptism of the Holy Spirit came, and I'm going to speak in other languages is I saw a picture of an angel and I knew he was coming out of heaven and he was coming to earth and he was carrying fire. Nobody told me as a six-year-old boy that a fire was typology for the Holy Spirit. I just knew my experience. I wish I could say that I went on to live some perfect life and that has not been the case. But the Lord marked me as a young boy. He marked my life. And so while other kids I, I, I grew up with in church would go off and party and live wild. I'm like, I, I've been bound to the living God. God for me was not just a Sunday school lesson. Was not just a religious concept in a book. I experienced him. And there's no way I could ever escape that. So years go by, and I really surrender to follow Jesus fully when I was a teenager and pursuing the Lord and reading the word, fasting, praying, witnessing the kids at school and, and, and all this stuff and feeling called to full-time ministry. And, but in the course of time, I would, you know, I was raised in a Pentecostal church, but honestly, we had Pentecostal doctrine, but we didn't really have any Pentecostal experience or very little of it and I saw a different thing and this was this is in the time when very famous Pentecostal televangelists were filling the airwaves with scandals and along with that I would I would go to meetings where supposedly God was moving in some kind of supernatural way and it just it just didn't seem real it just seemed I don't know I wasn't connecting with it, and it just didn't seem authentic. And some cynicism began to set into my heart, and I began to gravitate in certain ways to uh, other leaders in the body of Christ who would, at the very minimum, downplay the moving of the Spirit, the supernatural gifts of the Spirit, and some who would outrightly deny 
or would embrace the cessation of the charismata. Okay? They were like, no, that doesn't happen today. And others who would actually say, well, if it does happen, it's from the devil. I, I certainly didn't go that far, and I still had my prayer language, but I wasn't seeing supernatural stuff happening. And there was just a, a cynicism that grew in my heart. Well, I start working for the ministry of Teen Challenge. And that's where I met Bruce and Mara in that context. And I'm there to disciple these men coming out of a lifestyle of addiction. And so now we're in the 90s, and I begin to hear rumors of God moving in powerful ways in different places. You know, rumors could be true. They might not be true, but you're hearing rumors. So I'm hearing that supposedly God is moving in different places, okay? And then so some of the description I would hear is that some of these places, people, if you can believe this, they're like laughing in church, and like rolling on the floor laughing. Now I'm like, I've heard of holy rollers. I grew up Pentecostal. I heard of them, but I've never actually seen it. Like it was interesting. They would talk about, yeah, you know, back in the day and the holy rollers. I'm like, I don't see that today. And I don't know that I want to see it, but, but it, I'm, at least I'm curious, you know, like what's that about? But these, some of these places I'm hearing about, I'm like, they're laughing. And I'm like, well, that, that can't be God. I mean, I'm holy. I want to be holy. I'm striving in my religious zeal and effort to be a holy man of God. And I don't know, just laying on the floor laughing doesn't seem congruent with being a holy man of God. <laughs> so I'd, I'd hear this stuff and I'm like, I don't know about this. But yet at the same time, I was hungry for God. And when I would hear rumors of an outpouring of the Spirit, when I would hear rumors of revival, I'm like, God, I want it to be true. God, I'm hungry for you. Because I cut my teeth on church history and specifically revival history. Wesleyan revival. Charles Finney, who, though he was Presbyterian, really was much more Arminian in so many ways and identified more with the Wesleyan revival than he did with the Presbyterian Calvinistic roots. Um, and on through the ages, all the way up to uh, the Azusa Street revival and beyond, but different outpourings of the Spirit revival, the Great Awakening with Jonathan Edwards. And I would read about what God did in church history, how God would break in in power. And I'm like, God, I'm hungry for that. I'm hungry for the outpouring of your spirit. I want to see the real thing. God, I am so hungry for you. But I also had this going on. Like, God, I want, I would, I would think about some services that I went and I would check out and see what was happening. And, and I saw some people doing some weird things. You ever seen anybody do anything weird in church? So I'd be like, God, I love you. I'm hungry for you. I want you to touch me. I want you to fill me, change me. Don't ever let me be the same. But don't make me act like her. That's weird. <laughs> God, I'm so desperate for you. Whatever it takes, I don't care what it costs. But man, I want to keep my pride because I don't want to look like an idiot if you're going to do that. Like, come on. God, I'm so hungry for you, Lord. Do whatever it takes. But that guy, he's kind of a freak, man. I don't know. I don't get that. That's, man, don't touch me like that. But as long as you can please conform to my nice little religious box here, within those parameters, do whatever you want. <laughs> this is what I found, that 
I think a lot of times when God's spirit begins to move and touch people, there's two different thoughts that often come into our mind. The first type of thought is this. What is wrong with them? <laughs> that is weird. That's bizarre. What is wrong with them? Why are they doing that? Is she just wanting attention? Why would he act like that? I don't know. He seems unstable. Maybe you need to get him some counseling or something. That's just weird. What's wrong with her? Gosh, doesn't she know she's in church? We got to have it all together in church. That's weird. What is that? Those are accusations. Who is the accuser? The devil is the accuser of the brethren. It's judgment and accusing others. Now, I'm not saying you got to believe in everything that everyone says and does. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying we need to be careful with our hearts. If our, if our default setting is to look at somebody and automatically assume that we know or believe the worst. Suddenly what we're doing is we're agreeing, we're empowering the enemy to work through us because we're aligning ourselves with the accuser of the brethren. I would encourage you not to do that. But then here's the other thought that pop, the other kind of thought that often pops into our mind. When God begins moving and touching other people and we're not feeling the same thing everybody else is, what's wrong with me? God, if, if this is really you, and they're being blessed, and they're being touched, then what's wrong with me? Why am I being left out? Is there something wrong with me? Do you, maybe you don't really love me, or this is a confirmation that you love those spiritual people over there, but I'm not good enough for you. And I guess I'm just gonna be thankful that one day, I'm gonna get through this life, and I'll finally get to heaven. But meanwhile, I'm going to be left out on earth. It's interesting in John 14 when Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come back to you. And the disciples are probably scratching their head like, well, wait, wait, are you coming or are you going? What are you doing? What are you talking about? And I believe really what he's saying is, yes, I'm going to go back to the Father and I'm coming back. I don't think he was talking about thousands of years later, the second return of Christ. He is saying, I'm going to come back in the form of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I will not leave you as orphans. So that thing I just mentioned about where we can tend to think, God, I guess I'm going to be left out while I'm on earth. I'm just thankful I get to heaven, which is great. But meanwhile, I'm going to be left out on earth. The Holy Spirit is sent to pour into our hearts the Father's love, to break that mentality. See, one of the things I loved about what Charlisa was saying is it was not just an experience, as awesome as that was. It was not just a manifestation. It was God was dealing with mindsets. Because here's the thing. A manifestation won't set you free. Jesus said you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So his real goal with that manifestation, with that encounter, with that joy, with that presence, that whatever, the weeping, or anything you experience, is that he wants to, infu he wants to dislodge the lies that you've held on to, and he wants to uh, 
it replace those lies with the truth that will set you free from the inside out. That's his goal. From glory to glory and from truth to truth. It's like, praise God. God's done so much healing in my life and he's brought me so far. But then there's, wow, here's another layer. More truth coming in. He said, I will not leave you as orphans, but I'll send the Holy Spirit who's going to live inside of you 24-7. You have unlimited access to the presence of God. You have unlimited access at all times to God's manifest presence because I'm going to come live on the inside of you. That's who the Holy Spirit is. So a lot of times in the meetings that God gives me the privilege to lead, there's all kinds of reactions going on in the room. And I see some pretty wild stuff. And people react in different ways. And here's the thing. I, I'm not, I, I'm going to tell you, if, if somebody were to come to me and say, I'm not comfortable that was going on in your meeting. I'd be like, oh, maybe I wasn't either with some of it. But it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And he gets to do what he wants. I'm not trying to manufacture something. I'm just, I just want to yield to Holy Spirit and let him do what he wants. And that same conference that we were at with Bruce and Mara in, in just outside of Cali, Colombia a couple years ago, this, this woman, I, I shared at the beginning of the conference, I said, hey, if you don't like me, that's okay. You, you don't need to like me. I'll just be here for a few days and I'll go back to the United States. And so a few days later, uh, toward the end of the conference, this, this gal from the church came up to me and she said, hi, pastor, how are you? Um, I just want to tell you something. Um, you know, you were talking the other day about people that it's okay if they don't like you. Well, I'm one of those. <laughs> so just letting you know. And uh, I talked to the pastora and I, I told her, I said, that's, I just don't really like Christopher and what he's doing. And I said, well, okay. Th thank you for being honest. What the, what the pastora say? Well, she said, you know, we need to be careful because, you know, God sent him here and put him in the pulpit. And so I need to be careful what I'm thinking so I can receive, but just, just letting you know, I'm just being honest. I said, you know, thank you so much. Thank you for your honesty. I said, you know what I realize? What I've had to learn is that God will often give me what I need in packages I don't like. I, I didn't get into this, but, you know, in Proverbs, it talks about to... I, I think the way it's phrased is, um, for a man who's full, he loathes honey. But to the hungry man, every bitter thing is sweet. So if you're really hungry for God, you'll take it in whatever package he wants to give it. And you won't tell him what kind of plate it has to be served on. Anyways, but I just told her, I said, hey, I realize God sometimes puts things in packages I, I, I don't like. Okay, well, thank you. I said, I said, well, can I just give you a hug? She's like, Okay. And then she's like, whoa, wait a second. I, I don't want to fall on the floor laughing. I said, you don't have to fall on the floor laughing. I just want to give you a hug. And I just gave her a hug. And boom, she hit the floor and just burst out laughing. It was so funny. It was so entertaining. I know that's not the goal of ministry, but it was just, it was fun. It was funny. <laughs> oh, it was fun. So anyways. So... I wound up um, 
after being in, in, in Tennessee, ministering there for five years, moved back to Iowa to be a part of our church, uh, Heartland Church in Ankeny, to help come alongside my brother and serve in, that, uh, in our church. And I began to encounter the Lord in a fresh way when I moved back to Iowa. And, um, and specifically, I had a very personal encounter. You can read it in the book. Um, on August 25th, 2002, um, in my living room one night, um, that was uh, life-changing. And, and it really, it opened up the door for me to begin to receive from the Lord in a, in a n- new way. Because prior to this, the two places that I heard that God was moving and pouring out his spirit, the one where they were like in really casual clothes and rolling on the floor laughing, I'm like, I don't think about that. This sounds weird. But then there was this other place where the preachers were in suits and ties and they're preaching on holiness and repentance. Now I thought, now that's God. That makes sense to me. I'm going there. And so I'd go there and they'd preach this heavy message of, of, of fiery repentance. And it was amazing. I mean, God was moving in power, tons of people getting saved. It was glorious. And as God would begin to touch people in the ministry time, uh, God was doing all kinds of things, transforming lives. And it was awesome. But every now and then you would see as people were getting touched by God, a few of the people would start laughing. And I'm like, Gosh, that's weird. This is a place where holiness and, and the fire of God is emphasized. Not this laughter thing. That's kind of weird. And, 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 and I'm like, but God is here. It's un, undoubtedly God is moving in a powerful way. All kinds of, every type of sinner you can imagine is getting saved. It was awesome. Okay. I'm like God is here. This is amazing. But meanwhile, the people that are laughing, I'm like, okay, they must not be doing that for no reason. Because I know God is here. But you know what I think? I think probably they're laughing because I'm not going to say it's not God. It's probably just that that's what they need. These, you know, they're probably like baby Christians. They're probably like really immature Christians. And God's going to meet them where they're at. You know, like a little baby. Oh, oh Gucci, Gucci, Goo. You know, you kind of tickle a little baby because that's what they need. Now, I don't need that because I'm striving to be a holy man of God. But that's fine. And I guess, hey. I guess if God wants to touch them in their immaturity, God can do that. You see how far I'd come with my growing and not being judgmental? So, so, so sometime later, after God, really it was just several weeks after God um, powerfully um, touched me, um, at home, I just, I, I won't even try to explain the encounter that I had with the Lord that changed my life. But uh, I, I, I went to this other place and God met me in a powerful way because here's what happened. And that, that revival place that I was describing, it was awesome. But here's what happened. I would go there. I love the environment. Woo, God's here. And then I would go home. I'd fly back to Iowa and it's like, what happened? I guess I got to save up enough money to go back there again. And there were amazing stories of of leaders and ministers, pastors, who would catch the fire of revival, if you will, and they'd go back home and it would spread in their own churches and God began to move. But that just wasn't happening with me. What was in that environment stayed there. It didn't get stuck to me. I didn't bring it back with me. I loved the environment, but I had to keep going back. And so eventually, fast forward 
to the last day of February 2003. I went to a conference down in Kansas City, and this was not at a ministry center. This was a civic auditorium. So there was probably, I don't know, three, at least 3,000, maybe 5,000 people there in this large auditorium. And uh, I'm sitting there. They got this young evangelist who's up preaching like a house of fire. And he gets done, and it was, it was wild. A bunch of people were healed. And he said, hey, um, I'm not going to pray for anybody else tonight because I got to catch a flight or I, I got to preach in the morning and then catch a flight to go do a crusade in Africa, something like that. He said, so I'm just going to pray a general prayer over this place. And uh, if you want more prayer, there'll be a ministry team to come up that will pray for you. So he just prayed a general prayer. While I'm sitting in the back, I'm like right in the middle of this crowd of, like I said, at least 3,000 people. I'm sitting there. And he begins to pray, and I could feel just the slightest little drop of the anointing just kind of fall on me. It wasn't overwhelming. It was almost, it was easy to pass by and not notice it, but I could feel just a drop of his presence. I recognized, I'm like, that's God. In a small measure, but it's God. And, and so I thought, well, you know what? I, I think I'm going to go up front to rest because God's doing something here. I can feel him. I'm going to go up forward to get more prayer. Here's, here's what I begin to realize. See, I, I don't need to complain about what I don't feel. I need to celebrate his goodness no matter what. And even if I only get the tiniest little drop of his presence, man, I need to appreciate that. And I've found if I'll appreciate it, he'll multiply it. I don't need to complain about, oh, welcome. God touched them. God healed them. God prospered them. God, God's filling them with his joy and his love or whatever, and he's leaving me out. No, I'm never left out. I'm not an orphan. He loves me, and his love for me is demonstrated by the cross and not by what I feel or don't feel. But meanwhile, even if I only feel a slight little drop, man, I'm going to celebrate that because the God of the universe is touching me. That's amazing. So... I worked my way through the crowd, and it was difficult because, frankly, everybody else was like, well, the man of God's leaving, so they're going to leave too. And so they're all leaving, and i got to work my way through the crowd. And I get up front, and so I go up front, and, and I'm praying, and I'm up there, and I don't know, maybe somebody prayed for me. I don't remember, but I'm, I'm standing there, and I'm start, I, I finally go down to my knees, and I'm praying kind of like this. Oh, God, God, don't bless you. Why was I like that? It's because, well, that's how I was raised. You're Pentecostal. That's what you do. And that was my mindset. You go to the altar. Oh, God. Oh, what you done with God? Really? You know, I'm not saying it's bad. I mean, sometimes, how many know that crying is appropriate sometimes? Yes. Crying can be a very appropriate response in the presence of God. I think the problem I had was it was kind of my default setting. <laughs> It was like the only thing I was programmed for. Oh, God, just touch me, Lord. I'm just so, I need you. And so there I was on my knees doing that. And in this process, I felt the presence of God, not overwhelmingly, but I was hungry, okay? So, I mean, that's how I was right. You hunger for God. Not always recognize we're thirsting after him simply because he's always longed for us. And all we're doing is reciprocating. And so... In this process, eventually, I go to get up off my knees, and I'm going to stand up, but I'm not fully up yet. I'm in a squatting position for some reason, because I'm only halfway up. And this guy, to this day, I have no idea who he was, just some unknown member of the ministry team, walks up to me while I'm in this squatting position, puts his hand on my forehead and says, just drink him in. Just drink. Now, that's kind of an odd thing to say. How do you drink divinity? 
Again, it's one thing to drink a coffee, drink a Mountain Dew, drink some water, but drink divinity? I don't know. I don't understand it all. But all I know is something hit me, and I kind of wobbled, and I fell back on the floor. Now, thankfully, I wasn't very high up because I was only squatting. But it wasn't just the floor. It was February, and it was cement, and it was very cold, hard, cold cement floor. And I'm laying there, and this is what the Lord spoke to me as his presence was on me. Now, mind you, the whole falling over thing, I was quite, quite skeptical of that as well. I'm like, ah, I, I just don't know. I just have my doubts about a lot of things. And, and so I'm laying on the floor, and the Lord tells me this. He says, Christopher, you've never experienced the true pleasure of heaven. You've never experienced the true pleasure that I have for you. And he asked me twice. He said, are you ready? Are you ready? I don't know why. He asked me twice, and I never did get to respond. But before I could say anything, something erupted in my belly, and I began to laugh with the most euphoric joy that I'd ever know. Now, here's what's crazy, is while I'm laying on the floor, externally, what's coming out of my spirit is incredible joy, and at the same time, my mind is going, oh my gosh, I'm doing the very same thing that I used to judge people for. It's either they were right and I'm wrong, or I'm wrong and they were right. I don't know what, like, God, what do I do here? And it was in this moment, it's so bizarre how we are as human beings, that I can feel incredible pleasure in my spirit and great joy, the joy of the Lord, and simultaneously repent in my mind going, oh my gosh, <laughs> I guess either, either I'm one of those little immature babies or this is really what I've needed and this is really, really from God. And so God, forgive me of my judgmental attitude. Maybe I am a baby but I'll take what you're given, Father. So, Lord, I, for, I, I ask you to forgive me for my critical ways. But even as I'm experiencing that, I said, God, you know I'm a man of the word. I love your word. You've got to show me in your word. And so, immediately, Psalm 16, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures Evermore. I believe that's the King James Version, Pastor. Okay. And that's what came to my mind. It was euphoric and it was glorious. Eventually, I'm laying there and I kind of come to to the sound of this. All right, time to get up. We got to close this place up. Realize everybody's gone out of this auditorium and the cleaning guy was trying to get me off the floor. So my brother, John, who had just recently gotten saved, and then another brother from the church, Steve, they're like, you okay? Can we, can we help you? I said, well, just help me up to my, to my legs. I think I can do okay if you get me on my legs. And so I was able to walk out, but here's the problem. I'm walking really slow because I was rather inebriated because on the day of Pentecost, when they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit, it says that they were made fun of for having too much wine. Again, King James says it that way. Um, they, were, they were being mocked because they thought they were drunk. 
Now, some people would say, well, yeah, the reason why they thought they were drunk is because they were speaking other languages. Give me a break. Have you ever heard someone speaking Japanese and thought, boy, I bet they sure tied a, you know, a few on. Wow, I bet he had quite a bit to drink because he's speaking Japanese. No, that makes no sense. There's, they were doing something that made people think that they were drunk. Some people are like, man, I don't want anything weird. I only want what's in the Bible. Have you ever read the Bible? Look, my goal is not to be weird, but I'm going to be honest. Let's be honest with ourselves. If you only want what's in the Bible, that's still a dangerous place to be. Just read it sometime. Really read it. I mean, right now, if tongues started appearing in the atmosphere and split up and set on everyone's head, and then tongues that lit on fire, that's weird. I'm just being honest. I was raised Pentecostal, but that's weird. Okay, so be careful what you ask when you say, I only want what's in the Bible. There's a lot of weird stuff in there. Okay, so the problem was I was able to walk slowly, but we get down to the downtown traffic in Kansas City, and I'm standing there, and zoom, 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 vehicles are going by, and I'm looking at this, going, okay, any moment it's going to say walk. I know I can walk, but by the time it switches back, I'm only going to be halfway through because I'm walking so slow. And cars are going to zoom, zoom, zoom again, and I'm going to get hit. But then another thought hit me. You know, I really don't care. <laughs> I really don't mind. I feel so good right now. Anybody could kill me. I just love everybody. I just love everybody. I really don't mind. Now, I, I, my brothers were alcoholics. God redeemed them and set them free by the grace of God. I've never touched alcohol. But it suddenly dawned on me, oh, this is what they talk about. Because I just really don't care. This is amazing. So my brother John picked me up, threw me over his shoulder, carried me across the street through the traffic into the parking lot and dumped my drunken body into the van. And I'm like, I just love everybody. I don't care what happens. Just God is so good and he really loves me and I'm going to sleep really good tonight. Now, let me say this. If that's all that had happened, and that was just an experience about 18 years ago, who cares? Why would I be talking about that tonight? Because I can honestly tell you that when I got back home, the presence of God began to invade my, my life. The presence of God began to fall in my living room and in my office. And I began to talk to people on the phone and I could feel the anointing going through the phone and touching people. He began to visit me in my home. I mean, my wife and I would lay in our bed at night. We're like, he's here. He's here. God, we love you. Your presence. before he began to move in our church he moved in our home you see sometimes we have this mentality I gotta go to church and get filled I gotta go to church and get touched I don't believe that is the way God designed it we're called to enter his presence we have access as a kingdom of priests by the blood of Jesus to access his holy loving presence in our own daily lives in our own homes and then we come to church and we carry the overflow of what God has given us 
so that when broken and hurting and wounded people do come in, they can get the overflow of what's on our lives. And so before God began to move in a mighty way in our church, God began to manifest his presence in our home. And this is what I realized. God will often not give me what I want. He'll give me what I need. And it is only then that I realize that what I need is really what I always wanted. I just didn't know it. You see, I had these little parameters of the Holy Spirit of what he would and wouldn't do. See, I don't understand it all, but all I can tell you is that as the years have gone by, because of those encounters, because of the new wine of the Spirit, I have seen the Spirit of God come into a room and people who are bound by witchcraft, those demons begin to scream. People that were tormented by abuse in their childhood, all of a sudden, God, that trauma is pulled to the surface and they begin to get free on the inside. I don't, at times, I remember this one meeting, I didn't even give an altar call, and this young man comes and stands before me as, as bodies are flipping out all over the place. People are getting hit with the joy of the Lord. It is the joy of the Lord. The new wine of the Spirit is invading a room, and people are getting intoxicated in the Spirit, while simultaneously that anointing is coming to a room. People are going through deliverance, and a man comes, a young man stands in front of me, probably about 20 years old, and I said, what do you need? He said, I want to get saved right now. I love. I love Holy Spirit. I love Holy Spirit. I don't want to grieve him. I don't want to grieve him with my words or my attitudes. I don't want to grieve him with judgment in my heart or accusations toward my brothers or sisters. And I don't want to quench him when he wants to flow. love you father we thank you for the cross Jesus we thank you that Calvary paved the way for Pentecost because of your sacrifice at the cross you made the Holy Spirit available to every one of us oh All I can tell you right now is just yield to him. Give him liberty to do whatever he wants. I feel him so strongly. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Oh. God, God, 
you, Holy Spirit. Holy, Holy Spirit. We want to honor you. We want to honor you. We want to know that intimate fellowship and communion. We don't want to grieve you with our words, our actions. We don't want to quench you when you want to move. We want to be fully yielded vessels. Oh, God. Holy, Holy Spirit, would you come? And in the Spirit right now, I paint a bullseye over this place on the 18th anniversary of this church. I paint a bullseye, a landing strip for the glory of your presence to come. <sighs> Would you come? Would you come? Whether you want to come with fire or rain, or the wine of your spirit. When, if you want to come with your healing, if you want to come with your joy, you want to come with your cleansing, Lord, you do whatever you want. But where the spirit of the Lord is, there in that place, there is freedom. Come. Lord, we want this place to be a landing strip for heaven to come. Oh, oh God. More. More, more. I bless the burning that's going on in some of you right now. I feel that some of you, you feel this burning, the fire of God beginning to burn on the inside of you. Look, I don't care what your background is. This is not a Pentecostal message. It's not about being Pentecostal or charismatic. It is about honoring the Trinity. It is about honoring this treasured guest of the Holy Spirit who is a member of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit. It is about honoring his word. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not optional. Paul said in Ephesians 5, do not be drunk with wine. It starts with a prohibition, but it ends with this command. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. <sighs> I don't... It doesn't matter if you spoke in tongues 20 years ago. Are you filled to overflowing today? Are you filled to overflowing today? If God is going to move this church forward into its destiny for the next 18 years, it's going to do it on the combustion of the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Holy Spirit, that intimacy with the person of the Holy Spirit flowing in us and through us as individuals and corporately as a body. Don't wait for you to understand everything he's doing in order to yield to him. Your yielding will lead you to greater understanding. Do not wait to understand everything that he's doing to yield to him. Your yielding in time will produce the understanding. 
It's the wind of the spirit that Jesus described. You don't know where he's come from. You don't know which direction he's going. You cannot control the wind. And the Holy Spirit is uncontrollable. But you can yield to him. We want to live in unbroken, unhindered communion and fellowship with the unquenched Holy Spirit. The unquenched, holy, Holy Spirit. We want to live in deep, intimate friendship and fellowship with the unquenched Holy Spirit. Father, I ask that our spiritual senses would be exercised according to Hebrews and that we would develop a greater sensitivity to you, precious Holy Spirit, that you're always our dearly beloved, welcomed, honored guest. You always come to edify, to encourage, to deliver, to set free, to glorify Jesus, to take the finished work of the cross and manifest it in our midst. Oh, Holy Spirit, you always come to glorify the Father. You always come to reveal the word. You always come to exalt Jesus and glorify the Father. Precious Holy Spirit, you are welcome in the... What is coming in the days ahead, your flesh is no match for. What is on the horizon, your natural ability, your fleshly understanding, your natural ability is no match for what is on the horizon. But if you will yield to the Holy Spirit, if you will yield and let his fire burn away anything he wants to burn away and then fill you to overflowing, he is up to the task for everything that is on the horizon. There's never been a fight that the Holy Spirit is backed down from. He is tenacious. Your flesh and your natural ability and understanding is not enough to meet the demands of the days ahead. But you've been invited in to this Trinitarian fellowship and he is more than enough to meet the demands of the days ahead. He is the comforter. He's the teacher. He's the helper. He's the spirit of truth who leads you into all truth. He's the guide. He is the paraclete. He's the one who comes alongside you and lives in you and will live the life of Christ through you. He, he is the sufficient one <laughs> who wants to manifest himself. I feel like I need to share this that in the weeks following that encounter with the Lord when I came back from Kansas City, I was praying one day and I just said, God, I don't want to wake up one morning and lose this touch. I don't, I, I, you're so near. I feel you so near. I don't want to lose this. What do I do? And he spoke something to me that he spoke directly to me, but I want to share it with you because it's for every one of us. He said, Christopher, I've given you an inexhaustible anointing. In other words, there's a limitless supply. Hmm. There's a limitless supply. That oil is still running. That oil is still running. <laughs>
that oil never runs out. Poo! That oil never runs out. That oil never runs out. He's El Shaddai. He's the God of endless supply. He's good from beginning to end. There's no drought in heaven. There's no economic problems in heaven. There's, no, there's nothing running out. Every good thing that the Father has, it's an endless supply. You're bigger than a church. You're bigger than a movement. You're bigger than a pastor. You're bigger than a network. You are bigger than any denomination. You are the God of heaven and earth. Holy Spirit, you transcend all those other things. You are the Lord of heaven and earth. God, I thank you that there is fresh oil that is dripping down today, 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 from glory to glory. God, we look back and we celebrate, Lord, 18 years of glory and even difficulties, but they've been brought through. God, I thank you that we look back and we say you've been faithful from glory to glory. And Lord, we thank you for everything you've done. But Lord, we thank you that the best is yet to come. 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 Oh, you don't run out. You don't run out. You don't run out. Lord God, God, I thank you that, Lord, when, when we were all freaking out last year about toilet paper, Lord, there was no freaking out going on in heaven. There's no freaking out going on in heaven. There is an everlasting supply. There is an eternal supply. He is the God of more than enough. He is the all-sufficient Father, the God of the universe who runs the universe. He is your loving Papa. He's the God of more than enough, the God of El Shaddai. He has no lack of any supply. Every good thing is yours in Christ. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. Do not be drunk with wine but be filled with the Holy Ghost. Do not be drunk with the wine of this world, but be filled from the top of your head down to your tippy toes. <sighs> You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.